Hi, I'm Rick Samprin in the latest Bill Kelly Show podcast. Airline passengers furious after a diverted Swoop Airlines flight from Halifax to Hamilton left them stranded in Montreal. We'll chat with Brad Durant, a St. Catharines resident who was on that flight. From the re-signing of quarterback Jeremiah Masoli to the release of receiver Braylon Addison and extending the contracts of all three coordinators, we'll talk with Hamilton Tiger Cats head coach Orlando Steinauer about the team's busy offseason. And Canadians are filing for insolvency at a rate not seen since the 2008-09 financial crisis. We'll dive into that with Paul Anadiak from BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Dozens of flights at Montreal's Trudeau International Airport were delayed or cancelled back on Monday because of some bad weather. But one group of passengers is particularly angry. We're still here, guys. It was an ordeal dozens of airline passengers will never forget. Very frustrating and uh, just almost feeling like being abandoned and, you know, not really, like they didn't really care. Swoop is an ultra-low-cost Canadian airline. Their 737 jet left Halifax, Nova Scotia just after midnight Atlantic time, destined for Hamilton, Ontario. But bad weather forced them to divert to Montreal. They landed at Trudeau Airport just after 2.30. The passengers were left guessing just how they'd get to Hamilton. Yeah, their swoop flight from Halifax to Hamilton landed in Montreal because of, as I mentioned, a winter blast. Passengers on that flight say they were basically... Abandoned by Swoop. Now, in a statement, Swoop cited the bad weather and said, quote, Travelers were reaccommodated in accordance to our flight interruption policy, and they apologized for the frustration and inconvenience. That only goes so far, though. Brad Durant was one of the passengers on that flight, and he joins us now. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm not too bad, Rick. How are you? Not too bad. So I played a little snippet from our global news reporter in Montreal of what happened. Maybe take us into greater detail of what happened back on uh, December 30th. Okay, well, you already know we landed about just after two, but what was left out is that we spent over about eight hours at the airport. Not only that, but an hour and a half grounded on the tarmac. There was one woman in particular, Linda Withers. Uh, We were in contact on the bus. She was also interviewed on that news segment with uh, Dan Spector. And uh, she was thirsty, and she wanted a glass of water. She also mentioned that uh, she asked the flight attendant for a cup of water, feeling dehydrated, and the flight attendant said that after a half an hour, they would be serving snacks, water, pretzels, half glasses of water, and cheap pretzels, which I thought, you know, they were kind of chintzing us. They could have treated us a little better as well as not giving us dirty looks while passing us. So I was a little annoyed that it took an hour and a half to get us off there, but they they had no ground crew at the airport, and they finally got us off at about an hour and a half with nothing more than a phone number, which we then called. But it was tied up with about, uh, you know, the 200 or sorry, 180 other people that, uh, you know, wanted answers. But that phone number didn't even open until about four, four hours later. So once you got through to the call center, what, what happened after that? Oh, I didn't get through to the call center. You got to keep in mind that that's 180 other people trying to make contact and get answers. So without any answers, uh, you were told or or you received some emails, right? Uh, Yeah, we did receive some emails. Uh, uh, The first one came at about 7. That's about an hour before before this uh, call center was supposed to open. And the first email said that transportation was scheduled for 8. Of course, the other passengers grouping together around the information area, we assumed that uh, 
another plane was being sent, or maybe we'd be getting back on the plane that landed in Montreal, which I am now aware took off without us. I, I, I can't confirm this, but I did hear that there was a rumor that this plane uh, <coughs> had, uh, sorry, its flight crew were working a little overtime, and I guess they couldn't keep them past a certain amount of time. I don't know if that's a budget or whatnot, but that was, you know, quite annoying. We weren't on buses. Uh, that's when Dan Spector interviewed us, by the way, when we finally got on these buses. So Swoop arranged some buses to take the remaining passengers to their final destination. On a first-come, 1st first serve basis, there weren't enough for half of us. Like the lifeboats on Titanic, they couldn't, uh, the other half were pretty much left to fend for ourselves. Pretty much they told us we could get on a Greyhound or via rail, and they, were to, they would accommodate those expenses. They would pay us back. They didn't tell us how they would pay us back or how we would prove that payment to them. But they basically said they would immerse us for that. It took us putting up a fuss at the airport and in contact, <coughs> sorry, in, con- in constant contact with uh, the airport staff. And finally, one man, or maybe several, I don't know, but one was in regular contact with us to tell us that more people would be coming. So, so anyways, we you know, were finally on the buses, and it takes about seven to eight hours to get back. But you know, in addition, what I wanted to add, why I called you guys this morning to tell you more, is what happened over the phone when I called and demanded uh, uh, compensation for not only myself, but the, uh, the uh, 180 people on board. Okay, so how did that call go with Swoop? Well, I told them I, th- I thought I was entitled to a refund, not for the delivery to Halifax, the first flight, but the return to Hamilton. I did not pay to for it to take 20 hours for me to be dropped back to uh, Hamilton. I paid for two hours to take me back to Hamilton and not drop in Montreal and not under threat and under constant anxiety that me and uh, all these other people, a pregnant lady, and you know, there was one old woman there that was complaining of um, medical issues and the airport staff. I didn't really seem to care. Uh, the last interview with uh, Dan Spector, I told him that... Uh, <clears throat> they were treating us like squatters. They just wanted to push us out like we were blocking the regular traffic in the airport. So you've made okay. this request uh, of Swoop. What uh, did the airline tell you? Uh, they told me, well, the first woman wasn't very helpful. I talked to two ladies over the phone. The first one, I told her what my, well, not demands were, what I thought I deserved. And she was like, okay, well, that, that's too bad. We can't give that to you because we followed our code and uh, whatever legal- legalities there are linked to that. But I uh, took the liberty of getting in contact with someone else with Sloop, a representative, uh, whoever was overseeing the division or whoever that was that ran the call center, and the uh, the supervisor, whoever. I, I didn't even get her name, but she. Um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, she told me she. Answered the phone, and right away, before I even got a chance to say anything, she asked me, why do you think you deserve a refund? We delivered you on time, and we're not to blame for the weather. If you have any further concerns, you're free to contact the legal division of Swoop. She gave me an acronym. It was the name of the division. I'm not quite, I don't quite remember what it was. So are you getting any kind of refund? Uh, nope. I'm also in contact with Linda Withers. You, you'll recognize her from the previous in- interview, myself on the bus and her. Yeah, she, I, I think she mentioned she was going to a Brian Adams concert, and she missed that or, or was planning on skipping it because this had just depleted so much of her energy. you got to keep in mind that this was an 18-hour endeavor 
from taking off from Halifax, about 12, 12 hours stuck in Montreal, most of which we spent believing that we could be stuck there for days. No contact with Swoop. And what amazes me the most is that they, they had no planning in accordance for this eventuality, especially in weather conditions, especially with a snowstorm on the way. Because when we got to Montreal, a bunch of flights were getting canceled. Apparently, the Toronto, the Toronto airport was already closed. And it was, like, insane. It was disgusting, actually. It's, they, it was clear to everybody that they literally didn't care at all. So what kind of refund are you uh, looking for? Uh, the second half of the flight. Uh, the, the return trip, so it would be about $300, 250 for the for the flight back to uh, Hamilton, and plus uh, 50, uh, for about $50 for the bag. Not just for myself, though. I'd like to make that very clear. But everybody else, I mean, I, I think we were all kind of put through quite a lot that day. Everyone was very anxious. There were a lot of kids upset, people sleeping on the floor in the airport because everyone was just so tired. Airport staff pushing us around. We were scared and abandoned by this airline, which I'd like to add, I will never be flying with again, nor will my family. So what did you learn from this experience? Is there a life lesson here? Uh, Air Canada. I guess enough said. Um, are, are you and any other uh, of the other passengers uh, contemplating any any legal action at all? Well, like I said, I uh, found Linda Withers on Facebook, lovely lady. Uh, we had a little talk, and uh, I told her how I was contemplating uh, maybe contacting legal aid or some sort of legal clinic in my area, the Niagara area, and seeing where we can go from there. Maybe if uh, we can get enough notoriety on Swoop. That'll attract enough attention, and we will get the reimbursements that I believe all 180 of us are entitled to. I'd even sacrifice mine if it just meant everyone else. Well, Brad, I appreciate you sharing your story. We'll keep tabs on this. If there is an update, uh, let us know, and we'll certainly uh, bring that uh, information to our listeners. Thank you so much, Rick. All right, have a good one. That's uh, Brad Durant, a St. Catharines resident, who was on that Swoop Airlines flight from Montreal uh, or pardon me, from Halifax to Hamilton, but was uh, diverted to Montreal because of bad weather. And uh, passengers, just like Brad say, they were basically abandoned by Swoop and uh, had to f- basically find their way home via buses that came hours later. And what was supposed to be a, a two-hour trip turned into about 20 hours. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Busy off-season already, and it's only January for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A lot has been going on, so we thought we'd catch up with the head coach of the Black and Gold, Orlando Steinauer, and he joins us now. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. You had a, a, a good holiday with the family? Oh, it's good. It was absolutely good. Any, any time with the fam is great time. Uh, re-signing Jeremiah Masoli. Maybe we'll start that because that's uh, one of the biggest uh, news pieces of the offseason, not only in Hamilton, but across uh, the Canadian Football League. Uh, talk about that process of bringing uh, Masoli back or keeping him here in Hamilton. Well, it's something that uh, we've been working on, and, you know, Sean Burke and uh, Drew Almay and Spencer Zimmer, they've been the personnel department's doing a great job of just staying in contact and kind of seeing where Jeremiah was at and, and where he wanted to go. And so it wasn't an overnight thing. Jeremiah needed some time to digest uh, really what he wanted to, if he wanted to hit the free agent market and those sorts of things. So we kind of 
gave them that time, but then also wanted some direction ourselves. And, and so we wanted to be able to put it away uh, before the new year if possible. And uh, you know, we were able to do that. So I think uh, both both sides are extremely happy, and we're just ready to get to training camp now. So now you have really two number one quarterbacks in Masoli and, and Dane Evans. Um, how do you how do you play this out? Well, I think it'll play out over time. There's there's no uh, crystal ball here. I think what happens is is every year when you go into training camp, doesn't matter what position you're you're looking for competition, and both of these guys are competitors. I think that's what you saw when Dane came in there. Uh, besides, you know, Tommy and uh, doing it, and the offensive staff doing a great job with him. But Dane was, Jane always stayed ready and was prepared. And, you know, he, he earned and deserved that opportunity and, and made the most of it. And, you know, I think Jeremiah obviously has proven also. So anytime you can have two great quarterbacks, I think that bodes well. I mean, I can remember uh, lining up, you know, I think it was the 98 Grey Cup, and in Calgary, I believe they had – uh, Jeff Garcia is their starter with Dave Dickinson and Henry Burris. So there's three number ones. So we're we're not quite where they're at, but uh, we aspire to be there. Yeah, that's not a bad trio, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you, you probably realize, though, at some point in the season, uh, if Masoli's doing great and, and Evans isn't or vice versa, that there's going to be questions about, okay, what about going to the, the other guy? Yep, and we'll cross that when it happens, and that'd be a great scenario. Um, the best scenario is that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are winning, and those are things that obviously both quarterbacks uh, are aware of. That we're aware of that as an organization. But to, to comment on that right now would just we got to we got to see where we're at. We got to get to training camp. Jeremiah's got to get healthy completely, and Dean's got to you know continue to to rise and be the star that he's capable of being. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely aware that that's likely to come at some point, and uh, I'll welcome those questions and comments at that time. I'll try not to be the first one to ask that, but I know it's coming. Uh, (laughs) Regarding Jeremiah's health, where is he at? Is he on schedule? Could he possibly start this season? Yeah, anything's possible. I don't don't rule out anybody, but one thing that we won't do is rush him back. Uh, We want Jeremiah to be confident in, in how he feels, number one. He knows his body better than anybody. Uh, our medical staff with Dr. Fermi and, and our therapist, therapist with and Claire Topolai, they do an outstanding job uh, along with our whole medical department of keeping us in the loop. And here it is in January, and you can't predict what it's going to be in May. Uh, so where we're at, we like where he's at. He hasn't had any major setbacks, um, but uh, we'll, time will tell. That's good to hear. We're chatting with Orlando Steinauer, the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Bill today. Uh, big news yesterday, the Tiger Cats uh, announcing that they have uh, released Braylon Addison so he can pursue NFL opportunities. Uh, take us through that and how, how, I mean, there's obviously some black and white there. It's great for him. It's bad for the team. Uh, just talk about uh, losing a, a, a talent like uh, Addison. Yeah, well, Braylon uh, is very deserving of this opportunity uh, that that's uh, in front of him right now, and there, there's some interest out there, some serious interest in him. So, um, you know, we're going to allow him to p- pursue that. And for Braylon, you know, I mean, Braylon sprung on the scene in the playoff game, um, you know, back in, what was that, 18, and really made the most of his opportunities. But he had bounced around quite a bit. Uh, whether it be at the NFL or being released, I believe he was in Toronto's camp and that sort of thing. So uh, anytime you lose uh, a player like 
um, you know, Braylon, it, it's really no different than having a, a major injury or something. But I think that, uh, you know, when, when Brandon Banks went down, people were like, oh, and then here came Braylon Addison. So we're looking forward to the next Braylon Addison. But we don't want anybody to beat Braylon. We didn't expect Braylon to be Brandon Banks uh, when he went out in 18. Uh, each person brings their own unique, unique set of skills. And that's what we want, whoever fills those shoes, uh, like I should say fills the position, not the shoes, uh, to come in and do, and not to feel like they have to replace and the stats or that sort of thing. Each year unfolds a little bit different, and uh, so I don't look at it as replacing Braylon. Braylon is Braylon, and somebody else will come in with a unique uh, set of skills. Uh, Braylon was uh, set to uh, become a free agent as well in February. Should the NFL not work out for him, um, do you get a good feeling that he would come back to Hamilton? Well, you know, I think I think we would have a great shot. Uh, Braylon would be the better one to ask. Um, I think that's what's important, you know, we, when we're signing some of these players that have been here. Um, the, the main thing is we're not twisting their arm, right? We're making them an offer because we want them, but they also want to be here. You know, Jeremiah wanted to be a part of this. You know, Mike Daly wanted to be a part of the these players that re-sign, and so – um, it's not always what you say, and it's not always the dollar amount. It's how you make people feel. And I think we've done a decent job so far uh, in trying to build this sustainable culture here in Hamilton that I would hope that Braylon would fall in that category that uh, we made him feel like this is a place that he can flourish, uh, not just as a football player, but as a, as a man and as a human being. So um, I would it'd be definitely somebody we would want back in our mix. Um, but he's earned the right to be in free agency. Uh, we hope we'd be at the top of his list. You mentioned uh, Mike Daly, uh, exceptional special teams player, uh, national player, which obviously is important to have here in the Canadian Football League. Um, he's obviously re-signed, but there are so many free agents, not only in Hamilton, but across the league. How difficult does it make to assemble a team when there's so many free agents year in and year out? And, and does that hurt the CFL at all? Oh, that's probably uh, a little bit longer conversation than we have airtime uh, <laughs> when you get to the CFL, whether it's good or not. But uh, I will say it is difficult. And But I will say this, that it's difficult for every football team. If it was just us with, you know, whatever, 20-plus free agents, then I, I'd say, man, this is a tough deal. But I think every team's facing it. Um, I think the reality is you have to be ready to – anytime you're in free agency, you likely – overpay a smidge you know whether it's by five or ten thousand dollars but times ten players it starts adding up quick so i think that um you have to be prepared that your team you know you may have 10 maybe 15 new faces um on your football team you'd like to think you're going to retain a, a good amount of them but at the same time you got to be ready for change and and hopefully your culture is well established and they come in and make major contributions so I think uh, we need a little bit bigger sample. This will be, you know, just the second year of, of this type of free agency, and we'll see how it looks in a couple of years. I think from a fan standpoint, it's good and bad. It's bad that, you know, players are changing from team to team. You know, the loyalty factor might not be there in terms of, you know, fans being loyal to that player. But at the same time, it you know, it, it's exciting to see when free agency hits, all these players going, you know, to certain teams and, you know, one fan base is excited and another one is maybe depressed because they've lost a star player. So I think, it, you know, it's fun as a fan to watch all that. As uh, as a coach or as a front office uh, executive, it must be maddening at times. And I think it's well said. I, you know, I'd just be repeating basically what you said, but I think it probably is exciting for, for people. And, you know, and I think some people are disappointed 
and, you know, interpret it in their own way, whether, you know, they like to see a player show a little bit more loyalty to a team. But um, this is what the, the Players Association wanted. They wanted to be able to be free and, and move about. But these players still have an option once they sign to, to sign a two- or a three-year deal if they so choose. It doesn't mean they have to sign one-year deals. It just means they have that option. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is, and, you know, we're going to do what we think is best for our team and, and go from there. But uh, at times it can be a, a little bit frustrating, but that's part of the deal. It's kind of what we sign up for. And from a player's perspective, and you've been there too, um, you know, it's not always about the money. It could be uh, more often than not about the opportunity. Hey, I'm, I might be getting the same amount of money, but I'm going to get a better chance to be a starter or I am going to be a starter. So there's that to consider as well. I think so. I think for the people that have it in, you know, some of the players that have it in perspective like that, I think that's part of the deal is, um, you know, who, who's, uh, who's my coordinator? Who's my head coach? Uh, what are my teammates like? Uh, what's, what's the ownership? What's their commitment to winning? You know, how do they make me feel? Do I like being in the building? All those things, there's no dollar amount on. That's something that's got to be had, um, you know, just, just from the player himself. But to some people, you know, it'd be lying to you if I said that's important to everybody. Some people are looking for a payday. And there's no judgment on my part. That's just where they're at in life. And, and that's fine. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, it's an entertainment business. And, and, you know, their careers are oftentimes not very long. You know, I was real fortunate to squeeze in 12 years, and I was blessed in that way. But that's not the, that's not the majority of players. Our guest is Hamilton Tiger Cats head coach Orlando Steinauer. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Bill today. Uh, one of the major developments in Hamilton, I think, uh, to my mind, you'll, you'll probably agree, is that Mark Washington's coming back as defensive coordinator, Tommy Condell as offensive coordinator, and Jeff Reinbold as special teams coordinator. How, um, how huge is that for you going into year number two, knowing that you're retaining three key pieces of your coaching staff and you can continue the momentum from last year? Well, it's it's vitally important uh, from my standpoint, and you know, I know that when you have great people, you're oftentimes going to lose them, and other people are going to want them. That's just kind of kind of how I got here, to be honest with you. So, um, and they'll continue to get those looks, I'm sure, throughout their career. But I think part of it is is again how how they feel. Do they want to be a part of this? Do they? How do they feel in the building and and who they work with? and those type of things. So I think that's just a, a testament to um, just everybody in the building in our organization. Obviously, Scott Mitchell and Bob Young have given us a, a great environment here and a, and a great building to work work out of. So uh, those three guys, I can't say enough good things about. Um, they're great men. They're high character. And then, like I've said time and time again, that this is why they, they just embody our culture here in this organization. So um, they were extremely um, – well, i just say it like this, that they were really uh, a vital piece to why we were had as much achievement as we did. So I look forward to 2020. Uh, does a, uh, a move like that, does bringing back all three coordinators also tell potential free agents – that uh, you know, Hamilton is not only a stable place, but a place that is vying for championships year after year. Because at the end of the day, everyone plays the game to win it all, right? I hope so. That's that's the goal. But that, the reality is, uh, one team wins, and 
you know, that doesn't mean you don't uh, you don't try to win every single year. And I, I would hope that it's going to, you know, trust in that type of uh, culture and, and the way people view it is is built over time. And you can only, you can't speed up time, you can't slow it down. So uh, here we are in, in year number two, and, you know, we've got some continuity. And, you know, hopefully we'll round out the rest of our coaching staff here by the end of January once things settle here in the new year, and, and we'll go on. So, uh, I would hope that it would be a one variable anyway in, in some of the free agents that are out there. Speaking of uh, winning some and losing some, you guys won a lot of games in 2019, but the most important game you fell short, and that was in the Grey Cup to Winnipeg. Have you recovered from that? What are your feelings You know, a couple months later? Uh, yeah, I moved past it. The disappointment will never leave. You know, I, I lost uh, you know, the 98 Grey Cup as a player, and you know, we lost two Grey Cups. Uh, you know, when I was the D coordinator here and that sort of thing, it, they never really leave, but you know, time goes on, moves on and it, it doesn't wait for anybody. So it's always going to sting, uh, extremely disappointed, but at this point, uh, it's in the, it's in the rear view mirror and, and I'm not really looking back. So, um, we're, we're looking forward to training camp 2020. Most importantly, we get this, you know, the staff is always the first thing in the off season. And then we got to get the free agency, and then we're going to have to have a strong draft, and then uh, we'll start training camp, and everybody will be vying for the same goal. And there'll be three teams that don't make the playoffs, but early on, everybody thinks they're going to be in it, and that's what the beauty of sports. You got to play the game. Does winning the cup com- almost completely uh, vanquish the loss? Because you, you lose in '98, but you win in '99. Does the '99 win Correct. completely wipe out? The feelings of '98. Well, it sure helps. <laughs> it, sure, it sure, it sure helped. I guarantee. You, I wasn't thinking about '98 when the confetti fell in '99. <laughs> and uh, same thing when I was in Toronto when we won in '04, and then when we won in '12 when I was the coach there. Uh, there's nothing like having the confetti fall on you. There's just you can't buy that feeling or that experience. You know, money can buy a lot of things, but not that. And it uh, it's just one of those satisfying things that you just have to relish and be in the moment because, you know, I can remember uh, after winning the Grey Cup the next morning, it's like, man, it's not the – I mean, I'm excited and we did it, but you don't get that feeling back. It's right then and there. That is the moment, and uh, there's nothing quite like it. But the losses are always going to sting if you're a competitor, uh, but you also know that that's part of sports, you know. I mean, ask the Buffalo Bills, you know, and – and, you know, this, the Seattle Seahawks, the New England, like it doesn't always work out uh, every year. But uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, that's, that's the fun part. And so when you go through these roller coaster rides in an 18-game schedule, uh, plus playoffs and preseason game, you want to do it with the right people. And that kind of alludes back to what you were saying, how vital it is to have those coordinators. Well, you got to have people in the building that you trust and that are hardworking and have high character. So excited for 20. We all know that 2021 is in Hamilton, the Grey Cup. It's a long way off. Uh, you know, a lot of things are going to happen between now and then. But is there a little part of your brain that is saying, wow, wouldn't it be great if we were in that game? And is there any planning process to build up to that? That's a good question. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing. We want to be in it every year. And because that's the only way you have an opportunity to win it is to be in the game. So the fact that it's in Hamilton, heck yeah, I think that, 
you know, you asked Calgary last year, did they want to be in it? Does Saskatchewan want to be in it? Absolutely. And did Edmonton want to be in it the year before? It's tough to do. You know, I mean, we, I remember doing it uh, in, in Toronto in, in 12, and that was that was special, the 100th Grey Cup. But um, you, you got to take it one one step at a time. And I think, yeah, you, you do need to build up a little bit in the back of your mind, meaning, you know, who, who's our quarterback going to be? Who's the glue? You know, those type of things. You know, what does it look like? What do we want it to look like staff-wise? But you still can't control all those things, right? There's injuries in the game. There's free agency. There's those type of things. And so really our focus is here on 2020, but it isn't going to be exciting. Uh, Some of the plans and things that are in work with, you know, Bob and Scott and Matt Affnick, these guys and everybody here, they're working tirelessly to – put on one of the best uh, performances and, and the best shows ever here in 2021 in Hamilton. I'm looking very much forward to that. Well, yeah, all fans in Hamilton are certainly uh, looking forward to a great blast in 2021. Hopefully uh, another great blast this year as well. Appreciate the time, Orlando. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. I know it's going to continue to be busy for you guys. Uh, we'll catch up uh, sometime down the road. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Orlando Steinauer is the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Catch, sharing some of his thoughts on what has already been a busy offseason, and it's only January. Free agency opens February 11th. Uh, Training camps start uh, in May. Season begins in June. And then uh, here we go again. Hopefully another trip to the Grey Cup, this time in Regina. Should be a lot of fun. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Now, speaking of money, the Canadian Association of Insolvency and Restructuring Professionals says that more than 102,000 Canadians filed for insolvency in the first three quarters of 2019. Now, if that sounds like a big number, it is. In fact, it's the biggest number since the 2008-09 financial crisis. Bank of Canada's benchmark overnight rate has stood at uh, 1.75% since October of 2018, but it had raised the rate five times in the previous 15 months. And the association says that's going to have an impact on insolvencies sometime in mid-2020. And we're just a handful of months away from that. To make matters worse, the Bank of Canada is hinting that interest rates may soon go up again because the economy is, quote, near capacity. Paul Anatiak is Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO First Call Debt Solutions, and he joins us now here on the Bill Kelly Show. Paul, good morning. Morning, Rick. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Happy New Year as well. Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, for the kids that are going back to school Monday, enjoy the last couple of days. Yeah, it's almost over, and parents are rejoicing. Um, with so many people living paycheck to paycheck and the threat of a recession hitting, who knows, possibly this year, I'm sure that we're going to see a lot more insolvencies this year. Is that what you're kind of looking towards? Oh, definitely. The way we ended up uh, 2019, definitely we were on an increase. And the Office of Superintendent of Bankruptcy, who is really the gatekeeper here in Canada of insolvencies, are, are saying that insolvencies are a decade high. During the month of October, we talked about the 100,000 mark, but during the month of October, 13,200 Canadians filed insolvency that month alone. Uh, and as I discussed with you on your show back in December, November was one of, uh, you know, our, not our best months, because I can't say that uh, someone filing bankruptcy is the best month, but the numbers that were coming in were showing that it was one of our busiest months. Now, does insolvency just mean bankruptcy, or is that consumer proposals as well? 
that includes consumer proposals. And uh, people, Canadians are proud, and, and they're trying to avoid the bankruptcy word, and they're trying to avoid bankruptcy at all costs. Uh, so a lot more are filing consumer proposals. Um, that's also the reason why we're seeing the spike in insolvencies, because Canadians are struggling on a day-to-day basis, and a number of them are getting fed up and are getting educated and are understanding that there are programs out there, out there for them to uh, to seek. Now, the average, we've talked about this on the show as well, the average household debt-to-income ratio is about 170% here in Canada. That's an, an astonishing, uh, astonishingly high number. It is, and considering uh, I've been speaking with you on the radio for over five years now, and I believe that was about 160 when we started talking, it's amazing that for you know every dollar that we earn, Canadians owe $1.71. Is there a double whammy here? Because, I mean, if people are living paycheck to paycheck, they're not able to pay down their debt, and they're not able to save for the future, whether that's uh, whether that's an emergency or retirement. Uh, how do you how, how do people cope with that? What are they doing? Well, one of the things we find here in Canada, especially at BDO's affordability index, found is that uh, Canadians don't have budgets. Half of Canadians do not have budgets. So that's your roadmap to your financial success. So you're right. If someone is struggling and they can't pay down their debt, they can't save for the future. They don't know where to turn to, and uh, what we're doing is we're trying to educate Canadians that you need to get that budget in place. Things happen in life. You know, there's always going to be those downturns. However, the more you're prepared for that downturn, the better the outcome is going to be. Is there any correlation between uh, the rising number of insolvencies and the growing number of Canadians who are self-employed? Well, self-employed, you know, it's a different type of insolvency that we see. Most of the times with self-employed individuals, uh, they owe Canada Revenue Agency a lot more money than the average bankruptcy. Um, the reason for that is, you know, self-employed individuals are supposed to be putting the money aside in order to pay the government. And what we find is when they're experiencing tough times, they're going to uh, look to that money first because they know the tax man will call at a later date. So step number one, you just mentioned it, is setting up that budget. Because if you're not saving for the future and you can't pay down your debt, you got to know what's coming in and what's going out, right? That's right. And a lot of Canadians don't know what's going out. And I find it, it's, it's really progressed with tap technology. It is so easy to pull up in a drive through now and, and get food and just tap and not realize what you're paying for. But people need to sit down and they need to allocate money. They need to start following a budget. Uh, they need to start planning for their future as well. Some economists are saying that uh, if the Bank of Canada raises interest rates again, it would be a mistake because so many more people are going to be in financial stress. Would you agree with that? I, I do. I definitely agree, especially that Canadians are now starting to rely more and more on lines of credit. Now, lines of credit are directly tied to increases in interest rates. So what's going to happen is the average Canadian, once the rates increase, are going to find that they're paying more money on a monthly basis towards their interest with their line of credit. That's going to have to come from somewhere. And if someone's already struggling, they're going to have to look and see what other expenses they're going to cut. So if someone is listening right now, they're in financial trouble, they're, they're finding it hard to make ends meet, how can BDO First Call Debt Solutions help? Where do they start with you? Well, either visit us on the web, debtsolutions.bdo.ca, or give us a call locally at 905-524-1008. We're going to sit there, we're going to listen to you. Everyone's got solutions. A lot of people have trouble finding those solutions themselves, but that's what we're there for. Is we're there to open Canadians' eyes, see what different options there are. And the sooner you can get ahead of your debt struggles, you know, the more options that are going to be available for you. And there are other options other than bankruptcy and a proposal, right? 
the simple option for a lot of Canadians is just the budget counseling, where we sit down with individuals and we, we actually hold their hand and go through the budget process and set up a budget for them so they know they, they can get onto the road to recovery. Uh, if not, you know, we have excellent contacts that are mortgage brokers, or if it's something as simple as, you know, restructuring how much interest you're paying, we can sit down with Canadians and go over all that. It, obviously, finances are a difficult topic. Some people, you know, their their option might be to do nothing. They just want to continue to ignore it. That's that's certainly not the best option. It's not. Putting your head in the sand is not the best option. What we find is the month of January is well known for that, for people that are struggling financially. Because what's going to be happening is the holiday bills are going to start rolling in, and they don't even want to see that. If, if they're not opening their mail or avoiding everything right now, what we find in January is when the Visa bill or the MasterCard bill comes, it goes sometimes to the bottom of the pile. And you see these people usually in the spring because that's basically the breaking point after the, the holiday spending spree? After the holiday spending spree, also we have tax season that's going to be coming up. And right. I know Canadians don't want to think of that soon after the holidays, but income tax is going to be coming up. And what, sometimes when individuals uh, take a look at their income tax, they realize, you know, I'm in over my head. Uh, so what we find is this time of year, we're definitely getting into the spring, we're going to be very busy. I know financial literacy is now part of the education curriculum here in Ontario. Do do you expect that the next generation or the following generations are going to be a little better with their money? I, I think we have to stick to it here in Ontario. It's just being introduced, and we're going to see how it rolls out. It's being rolled out to great tens, which is great, because this is our next generation that's going to get their first job. And uh, the fact that they're getting their first job, they might as well learn financial literacy at that same time. What impact we're, it's going to have? Well, I'm positive it's going to have a great impact on the future for Canada. Paul, appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Have a good day, Rick. You too, Paul. Anadiak is a vice president and uh, uh, licensed insolvency trustee. I'm trying to get the words out of my mouth. VP and licensed insolvency trustee at BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Uh, you can call their office, 905-524-1008. A pretty scary scenario, especially if you've opened a line of credit. Uh, I mean, I'm, me personally, I did so uh, maybe four or five months ago. And so, I mean, that that's kind of the alarm bells going off, that if interest rates rise, yeah, I mean, the payments are going to be a little bit higher. That interest rate is going to be a little bit higher. And, I mean, I don't have a lot of debt. Some people might. And that is going to be, you know, could be a death knell for some in terms of, you know, debating whether to go through a consumer proposal in which you take all your debts and then you pay a portion of it back to your creditors through an agency like BDO First Call Debt Solutions, um, or maybe the best option is declaring bankruptcy. Or maybe it's, you know, just a debt consolidation or some kind of debt repayment plan. That maybe is a best-case scenario. And I've had Paul on, uh, or asked the expert shows on the weekend a number of times, and he says, you know, sometimes he gets clients in or families or individuals coming into his office, and uh, they go through their budget, they go through their financial situation, and uh, the option is, uh, hey, you know what, you're doing okay. I mean, those are probably few and far between, but uh, that might be a relief for some who go visit uh, Paul and his staff at BDO First Call Debt Solutions. Uh, peace of mind is a huge thing. So even if you are not in a severe financial state, uh, visiting uh, BDO or another reputable agency uh, will give you some peace of mind going forward. 
The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.